Madam Clerk, uh, we're now going to call to order uh, this Richmond City Council budget work session. Could you please read the Chamber Emergency Evacuation Plan announcement? Upon activation of the emergency alarm signal, all persons should immediately exit the building. Please use the exits to the left or right front of the council chamber or the east or west stairwell outside the rear doors of the chamber. Do not use the elevators or the escalator. After exiting the building, proceed to the assembly area located in front of the Department of Social Services building at 900 East Marshall Street. Citizens and employees should assist visually and hearing impaired visitors with exiting the building. Mr. President, that concludes the announcements. I apologize. It is Monday, and so figure I'd make myself laugh at least. Uh, we're now going to have the budget, uh, the presentation of the FY24 uh, review projections and budget uh, Q&A responses uh, by Mr. Jason May, Director of Budget and Strategic Planning, or someone in his stead. We're going to ask that the administration would go just as we asked. Thanks. Mr. President, I think our our understanding was to start with the revenue projections. Is that um, well? Again, we're starting with the administration, so you can roll out whatever you choose to roll out as y'all choose, and then you'll be followed by council staff. Perfect. Thank you, Mr. Thank President. You. <clears throat> well, good afternoon, uh, Lincoln Saunders, Chief Administrative Officer for the City of Richmond. I'm going to use this brief presentation today um, first to go over uh, the 2024 real estate revenue projection. Um, and then uh, Director May will come up and speak to the council um, amendments and, and budget requests. So this presentation will provide an overview of the analysis behind the 2024 fiscal year 2024 real estate assessment growth projection. I'd like to start by just um, giving a reminder or, or making the point that uh, our budget is a plan. Uh, it is a plan based on projections, both of revenues and projections in regards to expenditures. We develop the estimates based on historical patterns, economic indicators, as well as trends in certain industries and disciplines. Economists, economic data, industry trends, historical data analysis, and local economic patterns in revenue projections are the best practices we use to develop uh, these projections and the uh, proposed budget. The administration makes sure that expenditures do not exceed revenues uh, in any given fiscal year. And because of the constant monitoring activities of administration, adjustments to expenditure levels as needed are made throughout the year. I'd like to also just um, highlight for council that all the revenue projection processes used in the FY 2024 budget remain the same from prior years 
with the exception of real estate tax revenue. Regarding real estate, we use several factors to determine uh, and develop a projection for our real estate revenues. We analyze the economic data by consulting economists, analyzing national, regional, and local trends, uh, as well as reviewing the local market activity. We analyze the trends of actual revenues, as well as the percent change in the assessment values year to year. Given the historical trends, the mixed market activity on growth versus the potential for slowdown and our local trends, we have uh, projected and budgeted a 7.7% growth in real estate assessments for FY 2024. Taxable assessment value growth has averaged around 10% for the last five years. The values on the current slide represent the percent growth over the prior year. Prior to COVID, we were steadily increasing in assessment values. That growth uh, dropped to 3.5% during the primary COVID year of FY 2021. Post-COVID, it has returned to a steady high of more than 13% for two consecutive years. This slide uh, helps to illustrate that um, over the last several years, we have seen assessment values increase from the time the budget is proposed to the time of adoption, and then again after adoption uh, before the, by the end of the calendar year when the reassessment is complete. The assessor captures more data throughout the year and provides updated uh, growth assessments and amounts. In FY 2022, the estimated growth rate changed from 6.5% when the budget was proposed to 13.35%, a change of nearly 7%. In FY 2023, the estimated growth rate was estimated at 8.5% at the time the budget was proposed and finished at 13.5%, 13.15% at the end of the year, an additional 4.65%. The initial growth amount provided for FY24 from the assessor was 4%. The proposed budget projection of 7.7% takes into account the economic data and market trends. Revenue increases from our proposed budget to actuals over the past two years have followed a similar trend. FY 2021 captured revenues during COVID. The FY 2021 budget was proposed prior to COVID, so the revenue projection was adjusted before adoption. Post-COVID in FY 2022, the actual revenues were $37 million greater than those proposed. We project a surplus in the current fiscal year as well. In November of 2022, administration held an economic roundtable with approximately 30 regional representatives, including economists, industry experts, and industry leaders. Subject matter experts provided the following guidance. First, that the interest rate increases by the Federal Reserve will impact the economic course in 2023, but it's uncertain just how much. At the national level, though, the projection was that a recession would likely look mild in comparison to 2008. The housing market, specifically in Richmond, is stabilizing, but still very active. 
Economic indicators also show that employment is still strong. Labor market activity seen by unemployment rates and employment in the rich is specifically still strong in the Richmond area. In 2022, the Richmond area unemployment rate dropped 0.3%, and employment increased by 1.3%. Housing market data show that the Richmond median home sale prices increased over the past two years. Existing single-family home values uh, increased by 5.2% from 2020 to 2022. Condos and apartment values increased by 12.8% over the same period. Trends are cooling, but still show growth. Virginia realtors see cooling activity, but the growth in the data is still trending. There was a drop in home sales of 30% in the total volume of homes sold over the most recent year, and a 28.5% drop in sales volume. At the same time, there was an increase in median sale prices in January of 3.7% and a 20% increase in active listings over the most recent year. Again, this shows that the market appears to be cooling off from previous periods, but prices and listings still show growth and activity. We'd very much like to draw your attention to this slide. The 7.7% growth is conservative compared to our neighboring localities. And Rico County is budgeting for a 10.7% increase in assessments, and Chesterfield is budgeting for 8.4%. Hanover is estimating an increase of 11.7%. So our 7.7% projection is conservative compared to our surrounding neighbors. To conclude, we have several economic factors to consider. Richmond's population continues to increase. The labor market is competitive and inflationary prices are still at play. It's important to err on the side of caution and use a prudent conservative growth estimate while also being comparable and consistent with neighboring localities. So, Mr. President, I would just state again that that administration, we believe that a 7.7% growth in assessed value projection for FY24 is reasonable, conservative, and prudent. As I mentioned at the start of the presentation, all other revenue projections in the budget remain consistent with our past methodology. We have to adjust the real estate methodology to fill in the gaps, um, as we have discussed, in the misalignment of our assessment and budgeting cycles. Without these adjustments, we run the risk of large surpluses or deficits in our largest local revenue source, which would indicate both poor financial management and put the city's reputation at risk. Mr. President, I would take, gladly take any questions regarding the revenues before we um, transition to Jason to discuss uh, council budget amendments. Ms. Simons, thank you for setting more light on uh, how you arrived at uh, the numbers that you did. Uh, members of the council, do you have any questions? Ms. Robertson, then Councilor Trammell. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you. This is Sonis for the presentation. Um, 
appreciate the 7.7 projection, um, and which is budget is based on Um, also, the fact that the assessor's office is only coming in at 4%, you said? When we met with the assessor um, in, I want to say it was February, I think council leadership was present. Um, the initial estimate when they budget met in January was 4%. When we had a discussion with him in February, um, verbally indicated that, you know, he was looking at data that indicated more like 5%. Um, but we also know, as we've discussed many times, we are very early in his assessment schedule. And so at that point, he is really going off of just a few weeks of data, which is why we think it's important for administration to take on the responsibility of building a projection um, that uses the assessor as one data point, but must also rely on the broader economic analysis and, and picture. So, Mr. Chair, if I will, I probably have several questions that I'm trying to do a better analysis of what, where, what I'm, what's been presented to us. Um, so for the 4% that we're getting from the assessor, what, what's the time period of assessment values uh, is that percentage related to? Is that from January to mid-February? January to February when you met, a month. Okay. Um, and that's based on actual assessments that have been done by the assessor's office at that time? I believe at this point, this is, I would defer to the assessor to describe what methodology he uses when he's giving an estimate okay. early in that year. Okay. Um, as we've had extended conversations with him about his um, process and methodology. Um, right. right. And that's, is, that's part of my question. Yeah. Because we know that part of the reason why we are consistently um, not more accurate in our revenue uh, projections is based on the lack of uh, consistency in the timing that the assessors is doing his work versus our budget schedule. And so, Mr. Chair, I know you are fully aware of that as well, and as well as other council members. This creates a major challenge for us, and we've spent lots of time trying to get those those timelines sequenced so that we have more accurate data based on some real numbers. I mean, for projections to be made for four weeks of, of, a, of a year at 4%, and then the administration using whatever economic indicators as you suggested to us that you have gets you up to less than uh, 8%. Um, and But historically, the numbers that we're looking at from uh, even in the last budget year uh, up to 8.5% for 23, um, for us to come out of the gate at less than 85 when we know that the actual values were up to 13.15 for the last count for the last year, it's hard for me to think 
that the actuals won't come in pretty close to where they've been consistently, at least for the last two years. Um, I mean, we may see some some decrease in values or the volume of uh, assessments that's done because of sales and all of the other kinds of things. But I mean, if Richmond residents are facing that kind of deficit in their property values from 13.15 to 7.7 in one year time, we're, we're facing a major, major economic crisis for the city of Richmond that is going to put a whole lot of people underwater as it relates to their values. I'm saying that to say um, that I'm questioning whether the formula that you're using to come up with 7.7 is not missing the growth that we know always that has happened, critically happened in the last two years and has consistently been um, a fair percentage above our projection in previous years before 22. And that that causes a lot of problems for for me uh, and I think for the city as it relates to what we are able to do in our budget. Um, and we don't have any clear timeline where we're going to get this budget and and assessments to synchronize on a time time schedule. And so every year we look and then. Once we adopt the budget, it's back in you guys' hand, and we can't do anything unless you bring us something. And so it's just, uh, uh, Mr. Chair, I know this is not new news, but when we, uh, our projections are so much lower than what two years of factual information show us, I just feel like we are we're going into this at a lesser revenue projection, then I think we should be able to be more comfortable with something higher. So, um, Mr. President, and uh, to speak to the councilwoman's questions. So, you know, if I was going to bring your attention again to this slide, in both 22 and 23, you know, if we added a purple bar there, the purple bar would be a little bit below the six and a half and the eight and a half there. I think in both years, we had um, a number from the assessor that um, was a, was very modestly increased based on the fact that, you know, we know he's going off of six weeks of data when we're asking him for that for final projection before we start actually building the budget book, right? Um, I would contend it is still not fair to set an expectation for the assessor that six weeks into an assessment cycle, he can give us a, a an accurate projection for where the, the, the assessment calendar is going to end up. Um, it's not the assessor's responsibility to do that at economic analysis to make a projection that early in an assessment cycle. Um, the assessor is not involved in doing revenue projections, period, right? Only no. to the extent no. that in the past, the city has relied on the assessor's projection. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. But ultimately, <laughs> the administration makes the projection revenue projections for us. And so my concern is that I think your projection, that projections have been significantly less. 
based on what we've experienced, okay? And so what what governs us as it relates to the data that we are using to do what's restricting us from doing a higher revenue projection based on what historically we, we know that we have that value in the city. What restricts us today is 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 really looking at the economic forecast. I, I would not suggest that I think we're going to see 13% growth again this year. We do know that we have a lot of new construction coming online, and we also do you know. Think we'll maintain 13 where we are. Do you think we'll maintain that? So the the 13 and a half essentially gets built in as the base. So the 7.7 is on top of that growth that we saw in FY 2023. So it is built on top of that. It is incremental growth from that 13.15%. So it is it is included in it. It's not meant to be a carryover, um, so to speak. Um, so that 13.15 is built into the base budget. And we are looking at how much we expect values to increase above that in the next assessment cycle. Okay, so then in the current if I'm, if I'm understanding you correctly, when we look at the green bar for 24 after the actual, it should be 13 plus seven. It should be 20 something. If you were to look at proper um, value growth from the adopted budget in 23 to the proposed budget in 24, it, it will be in the ballpark exactly what you're saying. So if that proposed adopted budget was at 9.25. And then when the assessment schedule was completed, the actual growth was 13. So the total between the two from the adopted in 23 to the proposed would be closer to that, would be in that 20% range. But so we're only would, going up 7%. One last, one last question. What would be the purple bar if you had it in 23, 24, 22 and 23? I'm going to go off of memory here, um, but I, I want to say the purple bar in 23 was probably either at seven, was probably at seven and a half um, percent or in that ballpark. Just go with me as, as an estimate. I believe in the last couple of years, we were comfortable going a percent above what the assessor suggested. But as you've seen in the last several years, we administration have not been as comfortable and nor have we had these conversations with the council about why we think the administration needs to take over the projections for for real estate from the assessor because we do it in every other revenue source alm b poll etc administration's looking at historical trends and coming up with a with a revenue projection um and we do a pretty good job with that um but as you've seen what we've had in the last several fiscal years is surpluses north of 20 million dollars because we don't capture the true growth in our adopted budget. And, and so and let me let me stop because we're we're going back. I, and to summarize her question, why 7.7 versus 8.7 or 8.2 or 8.0? Or 10, if you're projecting it, Mr. Chair, if you're projecting it to go up to almost 21 at the end of the day, gosh, I mean, 10, half of that seems reasonable to me. But, but but again, can you address that? How did you land at 7.7 versus any of those numbers in in between there? It, it, I just have to say, I mean, it it is a estimate. 
It is a projection. I would say at, at this point, you know, we, we're the ones making this projection. And as administration, you know, one of the governors on us is that we cannot spend more than we collect in a fiscal year. Right. So in the event that we get to, you know, the second quarter, third quarter and revenues are not meeting projections, we have two options. One is to ask to tap the revenue stabilization reserve. The other is to curb spending. Right. And so it is not an administration's interest to goose the numbers up or to under undervalue it. So we do our best to hone in to the to the best of our ability. Um, we did consult with economists from across the, the region. Uh, the, the roundtable we had really helped us to hone in on where we see the full picture of the economy going over the next year. Um, but it is an estimate. It's a projection based on data and analysis um, that is meant to be conservative, but not so far below what we believe actuals will be, if that makes sense. Yes, right. indeed. We're, we're, we're going to go to Dr. Newville. Thank you, uh, President Jones. Uh, just a point of clarification. Um, what I thought I heard, I just want to be clear that in the questions that Councilwoman was asking, you were were you indicating an expectation of 7.7 above the 2023 13.5? We're expecting that the land book that was completed in December um, of 2022 will grow 7.7% above in, or to take 20, 20.85. That takes us to 20.85. Is that what? I think it's it's important to make sure we have the right base here, the yeah, right denominator. Right. That's where I'm trying to get yes. to. So the proposed or the adopted budget the council approved in, in May of 2023. What year is it? 2022 for FY23 um, projected value growth at 9.25%. Actuals came in at 13.15%. So that becomes our new base land book, right? We are projecting that land book to grow an additional 7.7%. Based on the combination of looking at um, new construction that has was started in prior years that will come online and be assessed and um, uh, build at, at the current value or at the, the future value. Uh, as well as more modest growth in current property value um, increases. Over the adopted FY23 budget. And so, Mr. Mr. Saunders, if we said, hey, you're at 7.7, which is an estimate, we see how trends have worked in past years, as a council, we'd like you to take it to 8.7. What would preclude you from doing something of that nature? Um, I would need to be able to honestly tell you that I believe that we will hit that number. It is a projection, but it would be up to administration to say, yes, we agree with moving that the projection to that level. Do you think it'll hit that? 
at, at this point, and trust me, I, I, I would love to tell you it'll be 8.7 because I know that there's more needs that we need, want to address. Um, I don't know that we have the uh, data to be comfortable with that today, but we have another month in the budget process to see where federal interest rates and economic indicators um, go. We also have an opportunity, I do think, to go back to the assessor and revisit, you know, is the 4% growing the way that he was originally thinking it likely would and has more data now to go off of that would give us more comfort. But for the most part, you know, as I said, last year we went from saying, all right, assessors at seven and a half, we're comfortable going to eight and a half with our projection. This year we're going from four to 7.7. So we're already trying to turn the dial up and say, we need to own the fact that we need to make this projection and get the number closer to where we think actuals will be. But as you said, and, and, and I know, it is not our desire to come in short, right? And have made financial commitments, salary adjustments and otherwise um, that would be at risk. Now, clearly we are not, we, we have um, both the duty and expectation that we would adjust spending accordingly. And we would bring council strategies for how we plan to do that in the event that the economy goes downwards from where we currently see it today. Um, but that's our responsibility to bring those adjustments so that we do not overspend not just the budget, but revenues. All right, thank you. All right, thank you, Ms. Sanders. I believe Mr. May is following. Yes, ma'am, you may. Ms. Robertson. The lack of um, the assessor's calendar and the budget calendar. Correct. What's the project? I mean, until we resolve that, we're going to always be in this extreme gray space. Agreed. And anything that council tries to do to uh, increase your projection, <laughs> from my perspective, we're doing it based on needs, but not any uh, analysis or factors to support our reasons to move forward, which is which is a dangerous place to be. Um, but without any timeline as to when we are going to get this issue resolved, or what is the timeline to get this issue resolved? I know you've you've talked to us before about it, so I'm not suggesting that you haven't. I'm just asking for a clarification in my mind as to when are we going to when are we going to cost close the issue that is contributing to the problem? Uh, our latest conversations with the assessor, which I believe many members of council have been able to sit down with the assessor and our finance staff to, to get the latest update on this is uh, given the uh, conclusion that the only way to address our calendar issue is to change the assessment schedule from a calendar year to a fiscal year. Uh, what the assessor has has asked and we agree is that um, he needs to be able to op update his software prior to implementation. We think software implementation is at least one year and so I don't believe we would be necessarily ready to make this switch for FY25, but I think we can be on a timeline for FY26. I know it's a long time to wait two years, but um, the assessor is worried that if we try to make this change if with his existing software, which is very outdated, it could put a lot of um, our data and analysis at risk. And so we need to get past his 
um, software implementation. He is, I believe, when I last met, he was in negotiations with the software firm. So it's been out to bid. It's been all all these other things. But he's going to need an implementation um, timeline or period before we can ask him to make the switch. And we'll go to Vice President Knight. Uh, thank you, President Jones. Just to share with council members, uh, I spoke to council member Lynch this morning and um, she's out because of spring break, but she did mention uh, having this on the agenda for the joint meeting that we're trying to set up with the mayor and the CAO, um, the retreat for sometime this summer date to be determined, but to have this as a talking discussion point, um, the calendar adjustment and all the things that go into it and sort of long-term planning that that is an item on the agenda for that event. I, I know it's not the expeditious timeline we all hoped for, because trust me, I would love to have at least eight months of assessment data when we have to make a projection for the budget. Um, Ms. Joy Hogg just reminded me that in the time period since we proposed this budget at a 7.7% growth rate, the feds have raised the interest rates again, kind of despite some maybe indicators that they were not going to, to do that again. So there's a lot of economic forces at play here. Um, and uh, the, any number of things could happen in a year that could cause us to need to change our projections, um, uh, whether it's um, conflict like the war in Ukraine, um, interest rates, et cetera. This is why we, we, our duty and responsibility is to monitor this daily. Ms. Robertson. Um, the counties are projecting a, a significant growth than we are, according to the charts that we've seen. Um, I, our history suggests to us that we are continue to underestimate um, by a margin of error that I would rather see closer, uh, less of a gap there. Um, but the but the additional issue is that if when we don't do that, and there is surplus. We have, it doesn't come back to the council for us to make the amendments to the budget. The amendments have to come from the mayor. And I'm asking that we look at what is necessary for us to be able to do that, that surplus come back to the council for a proposed budget recommendation, not in the piecemeal that we have been getting it. Because, you know, that's a huge increase uh and and you know what we're going to be faced with we're already being challenged about reducing the real estate rate again which you know some of us agree that we should and some of us agree that we shouldn't but these kinds of revenue projections and so forth doesn't help us to make that logical decision so some way we can work out where we do better with surplus amendments would be advantageous for us from a citywide perspective Mr. President, if I could respond to that point, because I, I know that the the city uh, surplus policy, which sets a um, 
which sets by policy, adopted by council, I believe in 2017, um, sets the policy that 50% of surplus goes into either the rainy, the rainy day revenue stabilization fund or the unassigned balance. 40% is directed to capital maintenance reserve. Um, and then 10% is eligible for appropriating to um, purposes. So to, to address your point, we, we administration don't have any incentive for the surplus to be a higher than um, a necessary cushion for spending. Um, and the surplus policy is, is one that I think we should revisit and evaluate for what is the best policy for the city. But I just feel it's important to clear that this point um the the surplus is is applied by policy by code set by council and so if we would like to revisit that we would do it through amending our city surplus policy but in a request throughout card or whatever administrative process that we need to use to do that because this is counterproductive for us yes ma'am Thank you. And we can do that. Uh, yeah. Real quick. I'm sorry. I'll be quick. Just to uh, Councilwoman Robertson, because of the conversation we had last week about the um, the scholarship and the fund balance and all of that, I had the same questions you had. Exchanged some emails with the administration. We did get a report in a memo in September, but I do believe previously that we had been presented with this information in a meeting in a public setting or something, and it there was always discussion about it. And so at least this year, I noticed that um, we received it electronically. There was never discussion. I don't believe it went to finance. Um, so in looking at the legislation, I think we should clarify that because I it was on page four of a four page memo and it was a little buried. So I will just say I think this is part of the challenge we have under both our surplus policy and I think it is embedded in that code. Council requests a presentation or information on the surplus in September. Would strongly recommend that Council consider that our policy and then our, our presentation schedule align with when we will actually have an audited surplus because part of the push and pull we've had in the past is in September, from September 15th to December 15th, that audited number could change considerably and it has almost every year. And so it's, it, it is a bit of a, um, it's a bit of a challenge that policy requires a presentation in September on a number we don't have. And so I would just strongly recommend that we align both our policy for decision making as well as um, the presentation schedule to align to when you have an audited number that we can say it is or is going to be very close to the final number. Um, September is just too early in the audit process to give you guys accurate information. Seems as if council chief of staff and a few members of council can look at uh, what that policy needs to be. Uh, in the future. Thank you, Mr. May.
Thank you. Jason May, I'm the Director of Budget and Strategic Planning for the City of Richmond. Been asked today to walk through Council Priority Request uh, status updates. These uh, priorities were provided back uh, in February, um, and these are some of the updates uh, based upon the uh, FY24 proposed budget. Talk a little bit about our pre presentation, presentation format, forgive me. Philosophy used to develop the proposed budget will be go over first. We'll talk about the overview of the priorities and we'll jump into the request and the status of the request by priority. We'll look at capital and at operating. Amounts provided for a request were either an estimate not provided or too broad in scope to identify a specific number. I believe there were over 88 requests. Only half of them had a number attached to them. So you'll see that as we'll go through each slide contains the request title, status, and the dedicated amount as appropriate. Again, this is a point I want to make. In some cases, the discrete amount uh, cannot be detailed because some of the projects are part of another project or they're contained in the operating budget and spread across multiple departments. So where and when we could, we try to provide the explicit number, but the goal is to focus on whether the request is being addressed or fulfilled. This does not include the additional amendments that were submitted to the administration on Friday evening. We are working through those amendments right now and we'll have updated responses accordingly. So let's talk a little bit about our budget philosophy. We're spending the people's money. So we're trying to make sure that we spend public funds judiciously. We want to be accountable and provide clarity. Again, I will remind council that on every department's budget page, it explicitly lays out changes between the FY23 budget and the FY24 budget, both when there were increases and when there were decreases in that uh, departmental budget. We are looking to, to make data and evidence-based decisions. Again, not just basing it upon ad hoc thoughts or on discretionary uh, understanding, but really basing this on data and evidence. Understanding that the wants outweigh the available resources. I've yet to work in a community that had enough resources to be able to cover its wants. It's a, a, a proverbial process and part of the budget process. We're prioritizing high need items according to results from assessments and formal reports. And we're utilizing the accepted index, indexes such as the, high, the street condition index, the bridge maintenance ratings, facility con condition index, and the high injury network indicators. Again, using data from these different components to bring into a part of our prioritization process. We're physically planned to address issues systemically, systematically, excuse me, and phased in approaches. Again, we're just not trying to change the pedestrian crossing on one street. We want to change that pedestrian crossing while we're paving, putting in buffered bike lanes and doing new sidewalks. We're looking for economy of scales. City of Richmond has an awful lot of needs. And the only way that we're going to be able to do this is by both leveraging and by making sure that we're doing this as part of a systematic approach. We want to avoid creating financial problems for the future. We don't want to create, we don't want to make solutions today that create problems five years down the road. We're going to have five shared priorities, strong future for children, adults, and families, plan growth, economic progress, and affordable housing, responsive, accountable, and innovative government, safe and clean neighborhoods, and strategic infrastructure investments. This is the basis by which we're going to go through these requests. Again, I will try to make sure that I'm speaking to when we're talking about capital or operating as we go through. Again, just a little bit more information on those requests. There are 89 total requests with a total known value of about $46 million. Again, about half of those requests did not have uh, actual dollar amounts to it. So we're about $1 million per request of known value. And then you can see the 
breakout very heavily on the strategic infrastructure and investment. Safe, clean, and neighborhoods is uh, next and followed up by the other three. Looking at the, the breakout between capital and operating, we're looking at 36% of your requests were around operating, 64% were around capital. So we are going to have a, a heavy capitalized conversation this afternoon. Jumping in, we're going to look at planned growth and economic progress and affordable housing. Again, forgive me, I'm going to try to read the best I can off the screen. Turn 48 in the reading glasses if it had to come out. When we're talking about Broad Street corridor circulation, wayfinding, and mobility study, we have the Office of Equitable Transit and Mobility is prioritizing this project. The Richmond Connects will provide a full accessibility and mobility needs assessment and recommendations that can be used for the basis of a more specific complete streets corridor study that we will be using in FY25. Again, a citywide housing development center uh, to address homelessness. Again, in the FY24 budget, there is an additional homeless liaison position. This will bring the total count to two for the city. And there's an additional uh, operating dollars, about $75,000 in operating funds that is uh, attached to both of those positions. On top of that, we have $1.75 million is available for the operations of an emergency shelter. Now, Mr. Mayor, I want to stop you just real quick. Please. Is is your plan to go through all the slides outlining under each area, each category? That was the plan, yes, sir. That was the plan. Uh, what is the plan? Because we, we've had the symptoms, correct? Yes, sir. Everyone on council has received this. And so what is the pleasure of council to have them go through each and every last one, or has everyone an opportunity to review it, to um, possibly ask Mr. May some questions, which may be a better use of our time here at this moment versus, again, we're looking at going through, if it's numbered correctly, 83, <laughs> I'm sorry, did I miss a few? Yes, 89 <laughs> individual. And, 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 and again, we have them here. We've had them, our staff has had an opportunity to review them. If you have questions, I think that might be the better way to go. Um, Mr. Mann, unless you have any objections to that or colleagues, unless you do. Yes, ma'am. Appreciate the uh, emphasis on time and reviewing this data. Um, I don't know how long it would take us to go through all of these slides, but um, <laughs> there's a lot of information in here that I'm not sure that I'm capturing when I compare the slides to the budget as to where the money is in the budget compared to where it is in, on the slide. And, you know, I've looked at this this weekend, but, you know, I don't, we didn't receive this information. Um, well, when did we receive this information rather than say when we, you know, when we received this information? I don't have the time. When did we receive this? I believe you received it this morning. Yes, ma'am. When? This morning. This morning. Okay. So based on that, Mr. Chair, um, this is the most important document that the council does. One of the most. So if you want to have them read 89 entries, that that's fine. That's if that's up to the pleasure of the body. 
Uh, well, but I was just seeking for it some way outside of that, Madam, Madam, Madam Robinson. So, so it's not about time; it's about efficacy, right? And and the best use of our time, uh, because again, I ain't got nothing else to do today between now and nine. That's what I told my wife. So I'm fine to be here. But what is the best use of our time? To have him go through and read each of these individually, or give us five to ten minutes to peruse the document because again we've already put forth our amendments based upon what we did and did not see in the budget so that's why it may not be a proper use of time to go line by line through all 89 and so i know council chief of staff and i we had a discussion of whether or not she should go through her presentation before we saw this one simply because other questions might have been uh, arrived but again the budget is already done. It is already before council and our amendments are already in. So keep that in mind as we have them read through 89 pieces of work that's already been done. Ms. Newbill, Dr. Newbill. Thank you, uh, President Jones. I um, received this early on like everyone else and perused it really um, quickly and had resolved that I would need to meet with the individuals who um, are over the various departments because I could not see where some of the items I'd asked uh, in terms of CIP was included, may very well be. So I had anticipated that I would go to Mr. Vincent and a few others to get specifics to see if within the larger um, category of uh, CIP, some of the items were enclosed. I'd, I am um, not sure it's the best use of time to go through 89 of them. I think we're going to have to review these, see where items are. It would be great to also have a printout by district in terms of specific items, which would really help us know if the things, especially in terms of CIP, but probably in terms of others, whether or not they're included so we're not looking and, you know, uh, digging in. But I just assumed we were going to have more, have to have more meeting because this was just the sheer volume. I would note, uh, Councilwoman uh, Newbill, that there is a uh, CIP by district in the capital book at the very back of the book. But again, specific questions may not be answered in that section. Yes, yes ma'am. So, so again, Mr. May, this. And, and I, I just want to make sure I understand the document that's before us that's been sent out so we're all on the same page. This document speaks to what, Mr. May? So what it speaks to specifically, when there are dedicated uh, dollar amounts, that's what is explicitly included in the FY 2024 budget. Um, and there for like the homeless uh, services DSS support that's on the screen right now, number five. Again, we do not have an explicit number because we have an increase of 25 additional employees over the FY 2023 funding level. So while there may not be explicit numbers, we are trying to be able to state where there where we can where there is an the funding is explicitly laid out in the budget. And then if that funding is not included in the FY 2024 budget, we're trying to lay out where funding is in the vein of the request. 
cost. So if you're asking for a specific parks project and that specific park project may not be funded, what we're trying to do is to alert the council members and council in general, the $7 million included for the major parks, for the additional parks funding site. We're trying to be able to speak to the intent of the request, maybe not specifically to the request itself, but in that vein to be able to state that we are funding a, a larger amount in parks and rec and in complete streets in the FY 2024 budget than we have in past years. So we're trying to blend the two where we state explicitly like the homeless liaison that is included in the budget. So it states in the response that as an explicitly uh, included item where we speak more broadly, we're trying to be able to be able to state that that explicit request is included, but that the vein in which the request was made, that, that is where the additional funding is provided. Okay. Dr. Newman. Um, what, what I would encourage each of us to do is to continue to go through this and to see which projects, and again, Dr. Newbill brings up a good point of trying to understand which ones per district, if you're not able to identify uh, where yours are by name or by particular uh, description, you know, where those are. Um, but again, it's here in writing for us. Um, but again, let me let me already say this. Let me say this again. We've submitted our council amendments. We've turned those into staff, and uh, Ms. Holmes is going to come, and we're going to discuss those at this point as well. So if we did not see something that was particular uh, to our particular districts, that gave us the opportunity during the amendment process to put that back in or to make that recommendation to council where we would need a um, prescribed number of votes in order to put it into um, this year's budget and amend the budget. And so I think I'm, if I'm not understanding that correctly, Ms. Holmes or those from the budget staff, please let me know. But I just want everyone to be comfortable with our process as we move forward. So, Mr. May, with that, I want to uh, thank you for submitting this information to council. Uh, and I'm going to ask Ms. Holmes to come uh, and to share uh, her presentation. And Mr. May, don't go too far in the event we need to call you back as well. Ms. Robertson. Ms. Lambert. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, I know that I have a, some meetings scheduled with some of those in the departments on some of the projects that are listed here from our amendments. So um, I'll let Ms. Holmes do her presentation because we talked um, I do want to get with um, Parks and Rec because I do see for the Calhoun monies that was allocated, um, we have $8 million through the ARPA funds, but I see Pine Camp is added to that, and um, I can get my questions answered with further discussion with Mr. Um, Frelke, but um, I didn't think that Pine Camp's um, request was a part of the Calhoun allocation of the eight million. So I just can get clarification. But that will be done prior to us coming back on this these budgets. So just wanted to note that for the record. Thank you. 
Thank you, Mr. President, uh, Vice President Nye, distinguished members of council. I'm going to be pretty brief. Um, this work session, um, the planning behind this was to give you all the information you needed, having submitted your amendments already. Um, there were some items that weren't funded um, in the mayor's proposed budget, and they had some pretty big descriptors around complete streets or in a parks plan. And so that was the expectation of the presentation that you just received. And it was actually supposed to go behind this one. So maybe it'll generate questions following that after I do this presentation. I want to be pretty brief because I know we have um, additional things scheduled. Um, but as you recall, right, this I put this up for you um, maybe three budget sessions ago and where we were what our plan of action would look like. Um, and so we are now in April and we're at budget amendments. So we are tracking exactly along where we should be. Um, we've had several conversations with administration to kind of partner and make sure that we're on the same page about what next steps might look like. Um, and so on the horizon, right, we're here today, April 3rd, one to, we change it to 2.30 um, to handle some other council business. And then you'll have another work session on the 5th where you'll do a deeper discussion of your amendments. But this one is to present the proposed amendments and provide you with all the information you need to deliberate in the next session. Um, following that, we have another session scheduled for April 12th in case you can you know, compact everything into the April 10th meeting. So that being said, um, understanding that we don't want everything read to us um, and I propose not to do said thing in this presentation. Um, so what I'd like to do is go over the priorities, again, talk about the public hearing themes, again, giving you all the information you need as you leave here today, you'll be ready to make decisions about the proposed amendments. I'm gonna go through the proposed amendments, but I'm gonna go with all the new ones. For um, I'll show you where there's ones that you put back your priorities again, they were previously presented as priorities and now being pre presented again as um, new as previously proposed. Um, and then the new ones are where we'll concentrate in our energy in today, and then we'll discuss those. So if we can hold to the end, um, we'll go through them um, at the end for discussion. So one thing that I did want to highlight is that the administration did make efforts to put money into the shared priorities. I mean, I think that was part of the presentation that you were starting to receive. They put $13.25 into planned growth, economic progress, and affordable housing. While they may not have done that in, with your individual district priorities, this is what they presented. You have this um, sheet in front of you. Um, it did not have it um, summarized or calculated, so I took the liberty of calculating those numbers for you to know what that look like. So they did make an effort or the mayor's proposed budget made an effort to make sure that it was um, funding some of your uh, shared priorities. And so the next slides kind of tell you what those numbers look like. And again, you have the presentation, you have the one hand, one page handout in front of you to see the individual ones, but 24.2 million to strong futures for families, 26 million in response of accountable and innovative government. Um, 37 million for safe and clean neighborhoods and 29.2 million for strategic infrastructure investment. So by virtue of you going through and um, identifying what your shared priorities were, you were able to communicate that to the administration and the administration then had the response of including that in the budget. So then we, um, as you know, we did our public hearing last uh, Monday and what, what did Richmonders, Richmonders say? Um, so 
kind of also staying within the shared priorities um, for planned growth, economic progress, and affordable housing. Um, they wanted you to focus in on affordable housing. They were very concerned about the mobile home replacement program. Um, there were several responses around um, the Richmond Public Schools budget um, as well when it comes to strong futures for children, adults, and families. When it comes to responsible, accountable, and innovative government, um, there was a strong support for the 8% increases for non-sworn employees. There was a lot of discussion around collective bargaining, and then there was a presentation about participatory budgeting. I can never get that out of my mouth. Uh, and then for safe and clean neighborhoods, no comments were provided, but there clearly, clearly Richmonders want safe and clean uh, neighborhoods. And then for strategic infrastructure investment, um, there was um, a strong push for the capital improvement plan and allocation of funds toward Richmond Gas Works. Um, all of this had been noted already um, in public comment um, when they uh, signed up for said thing. It just wanted to put it in front of you so that you could see that those were what Richmonders are saying. So as you deliberate, you know what the public is saying. So, what we wanted to do is make take the alignments from the general fund to amendments. Um, and so, as you recall, these were your um, shared priorities with the district priorities, the number that you had. Um, there were 10 for strong futures. You can see all of that. We had FTEs, seven. That's all essentially what Mr. May was presently presently presenting on, um, two of the 10 were out of strong futures were funded outright. Two of four, two, four or five, one of four and one of four for each of the priorities. So what was asked of you and what you did was you took a look at the ones that were funded um, outright and you understood exactly what was happening with those. And then the ones that you had remaining that were not funded, um, you um, decided, or we hope that you decided, will I move that forward as an amendment or will I decide that that's something that had been picked up based on other conversations you may have had outside of here? So that being said, um, there were 10 new amendments proposed in the general fund, um, five for strong futures, none for planned growth, economic progress, and affordable housing, four for responsible, accountable, and innovative government, one for safe and clean neighborhoods, and none for strategic infrastructure investment. Um, previously established priorities, there were two of them that were represented, and then there were eight new priorities. So we're going to go through these. You may recognize them on the board as your own. Um, but of note, the new ones are in Burgundy. Um, so the funding for a substance abuse program located in South Richmond was proposed recently, $150,000 connected to that. The Calhoun Center Content Creation Lab um, is actually kind of a previously one, a previously submitted one as a priority, just combined um, two youth programs to this new program um, after having some thought about it. Holmes, Ms. Holmes, yeah. I'm going to ask one, can you slow down? We're having trouble. Oh, sorry. Following your, your handout. I don't. So, how can I help you with the following? Yeah. Am I going too fast? Going fast, <laughs> but then not able to follow in the handouts as well, because okay. I don't know how it was put together, but. It should be flipped. Unfortunately, it looks like there might not be um, numbers on it. Uh, page numbers. Is that what's happening? Let me know when to move forward. You good? That's fine. That, that's fine. I'll, we'll, so they should I'll be staples in front. They should flip. No? Okay. All right. 
So I'm going to pick back up here. Um, these are general fund priority amendments, and these two had already previously been proposed as a priority um, and then uh, came back as amendments looking for either further clarification, which Mr. May was providing, and or um, being reproposed as an amendment as something that was a priority to this, but these potential members. So there were two for strong futures. Um, and then three more makes five, right? And the total comes out to $715,000 um, in amendments related to strong futures for children, adults, and families. These three are new um, as they had not been presented in the way that they're packaged now um, as amendments. I'm pausing because I see, making sure we're all still moving forward. So there was, an, so we'll talk about the new ones as soon as I finish the presentation, so you can um, uh, pontificate or provide information about those. Okay, so then the next one was equity request for funding for a center, um, and that was a new one as well for 50000 For planned growth, I mentioned that none were submitted in that category, um, and then there was a Richmond night market, um, which potentially uh, the uh, patron will give a, a little bit inf more information and details about that so you all can hear, but that was for 30000 Nothing was submitted for strategic infrastructure investment. And then there were four here as brand new climate and sustainability grants manager for responsible and accountable and innovative government, 5% retiree bonus pay, city council office enhancements, um, and the division of neighborhood support. So I can pause here if you'd like to have conversation about the new ones and give um, each of each other information about what the new ones represent. Um, and then we can move into capital improvement program. Members, do we have any questions as it relates to what has already been presented? Councilmember Lambert. Yes, I had a question about the um, the division of neighborhood support um, that requests. That's to create a new division of neighborhood support. What um, what is that supposed to look like? Is that someone that's supposed to help our civic associations? Is this that position? Um, I just wanted some clarification on that. Anyone? Or Ms. Holmes, is that a particular council person? So how would you like the patron to respond to that? Yeah. And that would be President Jones. Oh. <laughs> I removed the statement, which I guess I shouldn't have done, trying to follow along. So this is this is wonderful. Uh, what we're looking for there. Um, is added support in districts. A lot of the challenges that we have, um, how are we utilizing and building civic associations throughout the city? And then how are we connecting them to uh, the different resources therein? And so the idea uh, is to have individuals who would be assigned by quadrant or by neighborhoods for neighborhood uh, quadrants that individuals would just simply be out, add resources, bring resources, share information, assist. Let's say if there's a neighborhood that doesn't have 
neighborhood association? How do we target those neighborhoods and help them mobilize from a grassroots support um, and function um, in in a way that you see in other districts, other districts that will have 15, 17, 20 different civic associations, and then some on the south side may have two or three. Um, and so how do we go about giving them the support that they need uh, to engage the civic process and really take ownership of their 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 neighborhoods? Um, I've just a follow-up question on that, because um, I know this was something when I first got in office, um, it was a request from the civic associations if we have a staffer on hand to be able to, to address just what you're trying to do. Um, I wasn't sure four neighborhood specialists was required um, because I know I have 18 civic associations in my district and I do have a few that need some assistance in terms of organizing compared to others. Um, so I know that it's important that we have a staffer um, and I just wasn't sure if community and planning have someone already in place that is tending to our civic associations. If not, then I can see I can give some support for this, but I just wasn't sure that we needed um, seven hundred fifty thousand of it. So, no, but it, it, you're 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 correct, and I actually thought you were about to talk about um, a program that was probably engaged and enacted when you were first with the city years ago, uh, where you had some support in that area. But no, but that's that's what this is looking at about putting this particular number of individuals within our neighborhoods throughout the city so that we don't have that disparity. You have 18 and I have two, <laughs> right? And it's not that we have, it's not that you have more people in your district because we're all pretty much right at the same from a number standpoint, um, but it is just allowing us to um, move in that vein so we can have some equity from that standpoint and engage uh, at that that neighborhood level. Yeah, I have 18, but like not all 18 are active and fully thriving. I have a good five that, you know, majority of the district, but I, I'm getting those individuals more engaged in my areas that aren't have as much representation. So that's one of the things that I'm doing. But and so this this, this would assist those whatever number are inactive or need that kickstart, this process um, and this plan would help to engage. Okay. And is this already um, funded within, I guess, um, community development's budget or? No, this, this is. Better. Okay. So what are we cutting? We haven't got to that point. Oh, okay. That is always the question, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, I was asking. Dr. Newbill? This could just be a point of clarification I get can get at another time. I was it was reminiscent of a time when I worked for local government. We had neighborhood teams, and I was wondering how that varied. Um, and we have participatory budgeting on our uh, agenda that will engage neighborhoods. So just but I can get clarification, but it, it just was reminiscent of more of a neighborhood teams approach. But this sounds real different. So I'll get with you after so I can get better understanding uh, of this. Yeah. 
Thank you, Dr. Newell. Colleagues, if not, we'll let Ms. Holmes continue. Dr. Newell, you're still lit. You still have a question. Oh, I think Ms. Holmes is calling on. Am I one of the persons that have something new in here? If you all want to talk about it, I know you. I'm need- happy to. <laughs> Um, I I figured you were going to, on these, no, go back, one more. Okay, so on the screen, you see that there is a uh, retiree bonus pay. Uh, We did a 1% bonus pay um, last year, and based on um, just all of the feedback and our desire to be uh, supportive of our employees, current and past. Uh, we, a COLA is not something we can continue. I've, I know that for sure. But a bonus pay uh, is something that I think we can consider uh, that augments uh, for our retirees who started with our city when the salaries were significantly different uh, than they are now. Uh, which uh, we've made lots of progress through our compensation studies and just increases in general. Uh, And so would like to bring forth um, this uh, request for consideration. I've gotten a lot of um, feedback and requests from our past employees. And I get it. We don't have... um, this is not codified in any way. It is a bonus. So it is one time. It is not guaranteed. Um, but would like to ask that we would consider uh, that level of uh, bonus pay for retirees. That's all I have. I'm not sure. If, and I know that we'll have a follow-up conversation with Ms. Sabrina Joy Hogg uh, and company there and Mr. Saunders, but that's what I'd like to bring forward for consideration. And I did identify a line item, um, but I would have to have conversation. Um, You know, it was just based on my going through the budget, trying to find out, you know, where it is we might be able to accomplish this in a way that doesn't negatively impact, as far as I could tell, the category that um, I suggested we consider here, but I'd like to have more conversation with the administration, but I'm absolutely clear that um, our retirees need some consideration as we consider our current employees as well. Did you want me to do the last item? The Richmond Night Market? Yes, and I have a handout from them to be considered. We have um, provided support to the night market, Richmond night market in the past, uh, t- uh, fairly significantly so. And um, <clears throat> as you know, and many of you have experienced them across the city, they are able to uh, bring together about 40 vendors, at least at the market and then across the city, some other numbers of them, about 75% of them are vendors that are from Richmond and the others from surrounding areas. The impact has uh, been pretty significant in terms of revenue, 
both for those entities that helps those businesses grow, but also as uh, folks access other um, amenities while they are accessing uh, the vendor. So in this case, I'd I'd just like to um, hand out the information. As I said, the Richmond Night Market is not new to us. I believe we provided some support to them out of economic and community development uh, the last uh, year. I am not, they were not uh, uh, a nonprofit uh, at the time. I believe that the non-departmental applications came out. They are now non do have nonprofit status. And um, I think they've been invaluable. And not only do they, um, uh, really bring together vendors uh, and small businesses at the uh, 17th Street Market. They do this across the city. I know I've attended on the north side where they've um, had entities come and, uh, uh, you know, certainly sell their products, their wares, et cetera, and access amenities. So I think it is a it is a uh, different approach to um, increasing um, opportunities for small um, vendors and businesses, but I think it is a great approach that's been pretty successful. I would like us to entertain it. And I can hand out that there is a, uh, they've prepared a 2022 impact report, about $300,000 to be exact. And I can make that available uh, to the body. Thank I'm not you. sure if, and everyone is familiar with Richmond Night Market and what they've been able to do and the entities they've brought together through their coordination. And again, not just in the East End, but other sectors of the city. And they have potential to do that across the city, which allows our small, smaller entities to um, be able to come into venues and to uh introduce and share their products, their wares, their talents, et cetera. Thank you, Dr. Neville. I will send uh, this document to uh, Ms. Holmes and then you could Could share that with others. Thank you. Council Lambert. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Ms. Holmes, if you can just turn the slide back to the uh, Calhoun Center's Content Creation Lab. Uh, This amendment was put in, um, I had two previous budget amendments that were not funded, so I had kind of scratched that and and put this in in replace of it. Um, I have a meeting on Wednesday with the Parks and Recs director to go over some of these amendments. Um, But the Calhoun Center Content Creation Lab um, came about because I have a lot of youth in my area that um, need something to do. And a lot of them are very active. They're very uh, creative. And um, it was brought to my attention that this is something that is necessary as well as a way to address our gun violence 
um, that's occurring in our neighborhood. So the Calhoun Center Content Creation Lab will be consist of um, an area for young youth to come if they are interested in music production, if they're interested in video production. Um, this is a place for them to be able to um, showcase that um, those skill sets. Um, my background is in communications and um, one of the things that is missing in our community is a safe space for our youth. And the Calhoun Center, um, we acquired the $8 million for us to, to transition that from RHA to the city that will be occurring um, this spring. Um, and in addition, this content creation lab is a great place for our youth to be able to shine and grow. Um, so it's a great um idea as well as um, an idea that we can bring to fruition. Um, the idea came about from a, a, a recording artist a lot of folks know by the name of Chance the Rapper. He is based out of Chicago. And one of the things that he had mentioned in a documentary that I watched was that the public libraries had um, a sound studio. And that's how he created his first album that went platinum. And so with that idea, I thought this will be a great um um, kind of like an incubator or pilot program for Calhoun, but something we can put in all of our community centers across the city. Um, but within the Calhoun area, the, the one area that has been most deprived and lack of resources, this is something for our youth. Um, and when I began representing this area, that is one thing the community asked me to do. If you do anything, do something for our youth. So I think this is a great idea. The youth love it. When I proposed it to them, they said that'd be awesome. So they need a place to go. They need a safe space. And so the Calhoun Center Content Creation Lab will be one of them. So I appreciate my colleague support. If you have any questions, I can go over that further. Um, but wanted to just bring that to everyone's attention. This is something that is important to those in my community. Thank you. Um, Ms. Holmes, do you have the total number for the general fund um, amendments? Total number there. Are total dollar amount, because I see 715 for strong futures and children, strong futures for children. Do you have a Someone have that odd ass staff to just run that while you get ready for your next portion. So it's about six point four million. You'll note that. Say that one more time, please. Six point four million. Six point four. Mm-hmm. That's just for the general fund for op general operating, correct? Just general fund amendments estimated. All right. Thank you. All right. So keeping with the total number, there were eight um, new um, amendment introductions um, in the general fund. Um, and so now we've discussed those. And so one of the things that you all pointed to my attention was wanting more time to talk about capital improvement program. Um, and in so doing, you'll notice that there were previously there were 35 and we put most of the things in terms of your priorities in the strategic infrastructure investment when it 
dealt with capital improvement program. Um, of those, this is how it fared out in terms of what the administration said that they would that they had funded already. Um, so there was one for strong futures, one for planned growth. Um, we didn't have anything, so they didn't fund anything responsive. Um, three for safe and clean neighborhoods and eight in strategic infrastructure investment. Why that's important is because you still continue to move forward and trend forward with having um, more than eight um, capital improvement program amendments that you would like to see funded. The total here now is 23. Um, 17 were from previously established priorities. Um, there were five new priorities and one, again, that was kind of previous, but it has a different twist to it. Um, so just wanted to indicate that. Again, asking uh, Mr. May to come forward to identify um, previously provided responses um, to what was funded and what was not funded because you have 17 that you previously established as a priority. So understanding the underlying context as to if it was funded or if really wasn't funded um, was part of that presentation. Um, so you'll note again, all of these are in black, the ones that are ones that were previously um, presented. So the Riverview Playground, some wayfinding, the Wickham Court, Recreation and Sports Park. I won't go through all of them, right? But these are some that were previously requested um, that have been put it back in as amendments. So you still feel very strongly about them. Um, none were submitted here. Um, for responsive, accountable, and innovative government, um, the Westover Hills Elementary School parking lot review is a new one. Um, the city council offices have some enhancements, for instance, like what's in um, these walls, um, some seating things that need to be handled, um, and some um, improvements in here um, that weren't previously caught in the um, whiteboarding session. So those come out to about 605000 um, then additionally, there were some whole street traffic congestion and speed, um, whole street care beautification, um, and Jefferson Davis Parkway um, beautification projects. Um, and then somehow I left this one on, but it should be on the other slide in the, in the ones that have not been addressed previously. Additionally, for safe and clean, right, these are all um, previously submitted um, as priorities, but have been reintroduced as amendments. So there were nine of these. Um, Maymont, I do want to um, highlight, um, Ms. Lynch is not here, but I do want to highlight um, very similar to what I'm hearing um, in the room today. A lot of you had given credence to things that were citywide, um, and it might lie in your district, but it might have a citywide impact. So you've been thinking about that as well as it lines to the shared priorities, um, and henceforth, um, per request here, um, is in that vein. Um, so the Jefferson Avenue corridor improvements, again, this is a new one for strategic infrastructure investment. Um, and as you noted previous on each of these slides is what that subtotal will look like um, for each of them. Let me back up one second. Um, and so just to preemptively answer the question about what that total would be in terms of CIP, looking at about $8.8 .8 million um, in CIP amendments. Many of you um, were able to provide a corresponding where you have gone through and you had a corresponding um, decrease in the budget. Our staff is looking at those decreases as well as opportunities. Um, we've been advised that potentially geo bonds will be a place where we can do some of that work and we'll be working with the administration to have additional conversations about when and where that would be appropriate. Um, but that is where we are in terms of the CIP budget. So again, you had 
these were all the new amendments in general fund. You only had one CIP um, new amendment per se, and that one was struck um, uh, very recently after a conversation about how large the amount was. Um, so I just wanted to highlight you all are kind of thinking about citywide, what we can be doing around uh, capital improvement programs and not um, individually by district. So with that being said, um, are there any questions with regards to this? Thank you, Ms. Holmes. Colleagues, any questions? Vice President and I. I just wanted to offer some background to the uh, Westover Hills parking lot review. I don't know what I called it, but just to give you all a little background. So for years, we've been talking about the Jank Road uh, project, which they're going to redo Jank Road from Blakemore um down to the railroad tracks since have been working with the administration over the last couple of years to expand the project in front of Westover Hills Elementary School um, which has been really great and they found the the funding for that and everything the missing piece is the parking lot that is adjacent to the school has some challenges infrastructure wise and when we we had a meeting with the school as well as uh, our traffic engineers on the city side, they recommended doing uh, having an engineer come in and do an analysis of the parking lot to see if we could make some enhancements. So obviously there would be a, a second funding needed if enhancements are recommended, but we could deal with that in later years. Um, so we put in 40,000, I think, for that. Um, and it would just be great to do that now because the project is several years and we hope to get it started, hopefully at the end of this calendar year. Thank you. Okay, so in the interest of time, what's next? So you've had the opportunity to hear the new amendments, right? The previous amendments when it comes to the um, both the general fund and the CIP, you have already heard those um, and reviewed them and reviewed the information provided back from the administration. You now have before you the presentation from administration so you can have the additional discussions as you need to have them all in preparation for Monday, April 10th. Um, in that meeting is the presentation of and discussion of the amendments. Previously, the way that kind of rolled out is that you've had a spreadsheet that you'd include something on an increase and the, the variable decrease will show you where you can make those changes. That is the intention um, to follow suit in that same um, space. Um, we will also, as you're aware, we have the Robert Bob group on staff and they will be essentially assisting us or on contract, they will be assisting us um, in that process. Um, hopefully, with any luck, given that there's eight new amendments in the um, general fund and we've discussed them a little bit here today. We'll probably move through that. My, uh, my hope is that we can move through that a little bit quicker and you can focus in on the CIP and hopefully be done on Monday, April 10th. But if not, we have April 12th um, right after um, to continue those discussions and finalize the uh, proposed amendments. That being said, that is the end of my presentation. Thank you, Ms. Holmes. And, and, and hopefully staff would help us to 
budget staff would help us find uh, the necessary dollars because we're talking about roughly 6.4 in the general operating, correct? And then how much in CIP? 8.8. 8.8 in CIP, 6.4 in, um, in, in the general. This is just me. We shouldn't. I, I don't. It's not. I don't. I don't feel it's my role to justify what's going to work in, or you should not have to justify to me what's going to impact the children of your district. Because you're right, right. And so the key is how can we help you find those dollars within this budget to make that happen, right? Because the, right right now the budget is in front of us. It's no longer in the administration's hands. It's in our hands to amend the budget. And for the ones that we've gone over, we've always fought with each other over a million dollars. And I'm not doing that. I want to find six, 6.4, and let's have a conversation between amongst ourselves in budget session to find out how we do that. And that that's my challenge here. Right? That, that's a challenge I'll adopt. As president of council, how do we find 6.4 to do the things that you said are important in your district? Okay, and I and 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 again, you have to justify night market, uh, Doctor Newbill. Not and how much was it? I love you. I love you. We you should not have to do that. It's thirty thousand dollars. We're going to find thirty thousand to fund that and to do some of the things that we want to see done in our districts, and it's going to be a lovely process. All right. And so that that's that's what I want to do. So budget staff, that that's what I need y'all to do. Budget staff, find six point four, find eight, and then sit back, sit down, and talk about in that session how we get there, because it is important. And Mr. Frelke will know that that's a program that we're talking about doing in the Southside Community Center. Everyone doesn't dribble a basketball, everyone doesn't play uh, uh, football, and all these other things, right? And it seems as if the ones that don't do those things fare well, <laughs> fare far better than those of us that have. And so there's other ways to skin uh, this cat from a career choice standpoint. And so it's up to us to help direct that. So and th this is this is no judgment of the administration. I think they've done a great job. I think uh, Mr. Saunders with the uh, the economist, they come back with something very conservative, something we can hang our hat on. So we're not coming back, you know, eight months from now, nine months from now and having to cut back. Um, I remember when we did that, when we saw grass not getting cut and things of that nature, this was what, 2015, uh, before many of us were on council. And those of you that were on council, y'all remember that. I remember uh, cutting grass at George with. Uh, it's a political stunt, but hey, it was necessary and we got it cut. Uh, but we don't want to go there. We want to ensure that the dollars we need to provide services are there. But as well, if there are areas in which we can find um, to fund the priorities that we have set forth, then great. Okay. Uh, with that, again, Ms. Holmes, we appreciate uh, your uh, your presentation and your work and your first bite at the budget process in the city of Richmond. Thank you. Um, I believe we have a motion uh, to go into closed session. 
Yes, uh, President Jones, I move that the City Council go into a closed meeting pursuant to subdivision A1 of section 2.2-3711 of the Virginia Freedom of Information Act to discuss, consider, and interview prospective candidates for employment as city attorney. Is there a second? Second. Council is voting on the motion to enter into closed session. President Jones? Aye. Uh, Vice President Nye? Aye. Ms. Newbill? Aye. Ms. Robertson? Aye. Ms. Lambert? Aye. That motion has been approved. Colleagues, we're going to go to the second floor conference room. Okay. You didn't talk to
Call Jerry Brown and ask him how it sounds.
Thank you. I believe we need a motion to come out of closed session, Madam Clerk. Is there a motion? Move. Second. Council is now voting to exit closed session. Ms. Lambert? Ms. Robertson? Aye. Ms. Trammell? Aye. Ms. Newbill? Aye. Vice President Nye? Aye. President Jones? That motion has been approved. Now certifying, the council hereby certifies that to the best of each member's knowledge, only public business matters lawfully exempted from open meeting requirements by Virginia law were discussed in the closed meeting to which this certification applies, and only such public matters as were identified in the motion con convening the closed meeting were heard, discussed, or considered by the council. Ms. Lambert? Ms. Robertson? Aye. Ms. Trammell? Ms. Newbill? Aye. Vice President Nye? Aye. And President Jones? Aye. Been certified and closed. Thank you, colleagues. Uh, that brings all of our items that we need to conduct from a business standpoint for the budget session to an end. We will call that meeting adjourned. And now we will take about five minutes to set up for OD in which we have a, uh, a 